John 20, 11 to 29 on page 50. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and one the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she said to them that he had said these things to her. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hand, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. My welcome. My name is Paul. I'm the pastor here. It's so good to be with you on Easter Sunday. We, we do say, Christ is risen, and you say, He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Let's try again. Christ is risen. Uh, the resurrection really is the, the greatest event of history, isn't it? If you understand that the tomb was empty, it will radically transform your whole life. It will transform your now, it will transform your eternity. Uh, here's our, our key verse for Easter. It's on the screen. John 20, verse 29. Jesus told them, because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And put your hand up here tonight if you have seen uh, the empty tomb. Put your hand up if you've seen the, the bodily raised Jesus Christ. Put your hand up if you've seen the folded grave. We haven't seen it, have we? But put your hand if you believe. And what does, what does the Bible say? You are blessed. 
because you've seen, you believed. I remember the story I told on Friday about the, the woman who walked into the jeweler's shop to, to buy a, a gold cross and chain. And she said, I, I don't want the plain one, I want the one with the little man on it. Well, the little man is called Jesus, but the little man is not on the cross anymore, is he? The cross is empty. And the little man is not in the tomb anymore, is he? The tomb was empty. Jesus was raised. The little man was, was brought back from death to life. He defeated death. Hallelujah. He is risen. And Thomas saw and he believed. Mary, she saw and she believed. Peter, he saw and he believed. And you know, today, in Sydney, around Australia, around the world, millions of people who, who have not actually seen the, the bodily raised Jesus, but they do believe. And God says, we are blessed. We're honoured. We have that privilege. Seeing and believing is what I want to talk about tonight. Seeing the risen Lord Jesus and believing that and being blessed by him. Sometimes you have to see things to believe, don't you? So when my, my father died, my, my eldest sister was actually in Greece at the time. So she didn't actually see him when he died. And she came back before the funeral and she just wanted to see the dead body at the morgue. She wanted to see him to really believe that he'd passed away. Uh, it's a bit like um, the relatives of the passengers on MH370. What do they want at this very moment? They want to see something, don't they? They want to see some debris, or they want to see the black box. They want to see something to prove that their, their relatives really are dead. Uh, they'll see it, and they'll believe it. But you know, sometimes we don't have to see to believe, do we? I, mean, I, I believe in Bluetooth technology. Do you? I can't see it. I just see these strange people with these strange things attached to their ears, wandering around the, the street, talking to thin air. But I see the impact. I know it works. It's like wireless internet. I can't see it, but I, but I believe it because I, I know it works. So my big question for you tonight is, do you believe? Do you really trust? That's the word believe. It means trust. It means I'll put my life on this. I actually trust that this actually happened. Do you believe that the tomb was empty? Do you believe that Jesus was bodily raised? Do you believe that he is risen indeed? Hallelujah. Let's see and believe, shall we? So come with me to that first Easter morning, and it's three days since their master was crucified. And can you imagine being a disciple where they've staked their whole life on following this man? They've given him everything, their jobs, their family, their homes, and, and now he's dead. Not just dead, he's actually been crucified in the most public, humiliating kind of death. And so if you're a disciple on that first Easter morning, uh, you wake up and uh, you're, you're disappointed, you're disillusioned, you're grief-stricken. 
But Easter is all about how your disappointment is turned into delight and how your discouragement and despair is turned into joy. Let's meet some of the, the first eyewitnesses. Let's meet John. So my name's John, and I was with the disciples, and I was one of the inner three. You know, Peter, had Peter, James, and John, those three closest disciples of Jesus. I was grieving on that first Easter morning, and, and Mary Magdalene came running towards me, and she said, they've taken the Lord away. And so Peter and I, we, we ran for the tomb. I knew exactly where the tomb was because I'd laid him there just three days ago. And I was actually faster than Peter. I outran him and I saw the tomb and the stone had been rolled away. And when you think tomb, please don't think hole in the ground grave. Think massive cave. And I just stooped in and I saw the linen cloths and I saw the spices. And I was thinking... It can't be the grave robbers. Why would they leave the most precious things, the linen and the spices? And Peter came behind me and he, he actually went in. And we saw the empty tomb. It was really quite bizarre. At that moment, it was like the, the darkness was lifted and I saw and I believed that he had risen. And I'm not like the other disciples because they saw because... They, saw, they believed because they saw the actual body of Jesus. I believed because I didn't see. I just saw the empty tomb. That was kind of the, the motto for my life. Because the tomb was empty. Radically transformed my life. Never the same again. Let's meet the, the second witness. Her name is Mary. And if, if Mary Magdalene was here tonight, she would say something like this. She would say, Thank you for listening. I'm aware that in the first century, the witness of a woman wears no belt, bears no weight at all. So thank you for listening to my testimony. And thank you for listening because many of you know I used to be a prostitute, so you're probably laughing at me right now, but I did see the Lord. I went to the tomb early on that first Easter Sunday and I saw the stone was rolled away and I was sure that something strange had happened because it would take three strong men to roll a big boulder away. And I was thinking, who's taken that body? It couldn't be the Jewish authorities because they wanted him dead. And it couldn't be the disciples because like, they didn't really believe he was going to rise again. And so I rushed to find Peter and John. I said, they've taken the Lord away. And I just stood there, and, and I was sobbing. It was like the tears were just rolling down my face. And I just peeped inside the tomb, and I saw these, these two angels. And they spoke to me, and they said, Woman, why are you crying? I was thinking, I'm crying because my best friend has just died. And you know when... You can just sense someone behind you. It was that kind of moment where I could just sense someone behind me. And I turned and it could have been the tears. I, I just couldn't see properly. I thought it was a gardener. And he spoke to me and he said, Woman, why are you crying? I'm thinking, stupid question. I'm grieving. Who are you looking for? I'm thinking, stupid question. I'm looking for Jesus. 
And then he just said one word. He said, Mary. Mary. It was the tone. I, I recognized it straight away. I said, the bone I teach you, it is you. And then I realized they weren't stupid questions. They were profound questions. Why was I crying? I, sh- I should have been rejoicing because the tomb was empty. Who was I looking for? I was looking for a dead man. I should have been looking for a living man. That's my story. I'm Mary and I met the risen Lord Jesus. I saw and I believed. Uh, Next would be the ten disciples who were gathered together in that room that night and uh, Judas wasn't there because he betrayed Jesus and Thomas wasn't there that night and, and they'd say something like this. They'd say, we were gathered together in, the, in this closed room and we'd locked the doors because we were, we were really afraid of the Jews. I mean, they just killed Jesus and they're going to kill us. We were absolutely terrified. And it just happened. Jesus just appeared into this room. It was like the, the body could, that could go through the grave clothes could just walk through closed doors. And we were just like, whoa, how did that happen? And then he spoke. He said, peace be with you. Peace be with you. It's extraordinary. The last thing we heard him say was, it is finished. The next thing we heard him say was, peace be with you. And we're kind of like, this can't really be Jesus. And then he just did this. And he showed us the scars. And it was really bizarre because just days earlier we had seen his, his body had been torn to pieces by that cat and nine tails. He'd been whipped until his skin was ripped off his back. But all that had healed completely. But not the scars. One scar there and one scar there where the nails had been. And one scar here, where the spear had been thrust into his side. And we saw the scars. And we heard him say, peace be with you. And we saw him. We saw him. And we believed. The final witness would be Thomas. And if Thomas were here tonight, he'd say something like this. He'd say, I'm a bit peeved, really. Why was I called Doubting Thomas? It wasn't my fault I wasn't there that night. For the rest of history, I'm labelled Doubting Thomas. I'm not really doubting. I was just a bit sceptical because, you know, dead people don't rise, do they? Anyway, they, they, they came to me and said they'd seen the Lord. I'm thinking, have you drunk something? Are you on something? I said, unless I actually see the, the, the nail marks and the, the, the mark in his side, I won't believe. It was about a week later, and again, the, the room was locked, and Jesus just appeared. And it was kind of like he'd read my mind. He came up to me and said, Thomas, just put your hands where my nail marks are. And put your hand in my side. Stop doubting. And believe. You know, I, I didn't actually need to put my hands into his scars. I could see. 
I could believe. I just fell at my feet and I said, my Lord and my God. I saw and I believed. And you know, friends, I could call 500 witnesses, all who saw the, the bodily raised Lord Jesus Christ. But for my last witness, why don't I call you or call me and put us into the witness box? And say, have you seen? Have you believed? So my name is Paul and I have seen, I believed. Uh, for 20 years of my life I didn't see, I didn't believe. Uh, for 20 years of my life I just ignored the fact that Jesus had died and Jesus was raised. So what happened? I read all the evidence. Uh, John said that these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and by believing you may have life in his name. And that's what I did. I read John's Gospel. I read Luke's Gospel. I read Matthew's Gospel. I read Mark's Gospel. I read the Bible. I asked questions, and I was quite skeptical until one day it was kind of like the scales were lifted and I could see. And I believed. I believed Jesus was the Son of God. I believed he was the Passover lamb who had died on that cross for my sins. I believed the tomb was empty. I believed that Jesus was bodily raised. And that belief has utterly, utterly transformed my life. So I'll ask you again. Have you seen? Do you believe? If you don't believe here tonight, can I ask you why not? What's stopping you from believing in the resurrection? It could be your intellectual pride. That was me, really. You know, I was this academic and a scientist, and I was like, oh, dead people don't rise. Jesus wasn't just a dead man, was he? He was God. Who am I to tell God what he can and can't do? Uh, maybe you don't believe because of your, oh, what do I call it, your unwillingness to actually live your life for Jesus. And if, like Thomas, you actually believe, then you say, my Lord and my God, then you realize that you've got to make changes in your life. You don't want to make changes. You quite like living your own life. Maybe that's stopping you believing. Well, can I say it's the best thing to do to change your life, to live for Jesus? Or maybe you can't believe because God hasn't opened your eyes yet. Because actually seeing and believing is a miracle, isn't it? I, mean, I, I could stand here, I could preach until midnight tonight. I could preach the whole tomorrow. And you might not believe because God might not open your eyes. That's God's work, not my work. All I do is pray that God will open blind eyes in this room tonight. So have you seen and have you believed? Now if you have, what's the word that's used for you in that passage, in that verse? What does God describe you as? Blessed. If you're here tonight and you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God says that you are you're blessed. You're known by God. You are blessed by God. What are the blessings that come from believing in the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. There are countless blessings. Let me just highlight three blessings from believing in Jesus. If you believe in the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ, you are blessed because you have 
peace. See that much in our verses? There's verse 19. He says, peace be with you. Again in verse 21, peace be with you. Again in verse 26, peace be with you. If you're here tonight and you believe that Jesus has been raised, then you have peace with your God. It's not that, that airy-fairy kind of feeling of peace. It's a fact that you have a, a right relationship with your maker, that you are not at war with your maker. You have peace with your creator. What does that mean? Well, look what Jesus said to Mary Magdalene. Look at verse 17. She said, don't hold on to me. I haven't, haven't yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers. Who are, who are his brothers? His disciples. And tell them I'm ascending to my Father and to, to your Father. To my God and to your God. You see, to have peace with God is all about a relationship. It's about calling God your Father. Isn't that extraordinary? Jesus says to Mary Magdalene, call him your father. He's my father, says Jesus, and he's your father. To call the almighty creator God your father, your daddy, that's what it means to have peace with God. You have access to your heavenly father. You, you can talk to him about anything. He is everything. He's always there for you. He cares for you. He's kind to you. He guides you. Think of God as the father that you always long to have. Always good, always kind, always there. That's what it means to have peace with God. You have access to God as your Father. But more than that, Jesus is your, what's the word? In verse 17, he's your, he's your brother. Isn't that extraordinary? The Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah, he calls us his brothers and sisters. We're, we're family. God is my Father. Jesus is my brother. You're all my brothers and sisters too, and heaven's my home. In that song, um, I don't know who sang it, actually. You can tell me afterwards. The road is long, with many a winding turn. I'm not going to sing it tonight. How does it end? He's my brother. And it's kind of like, Life is long with many a winding turn, but as you go through the, the turns and twists of life, Jesus is your brother doing life with you, walking alongside you, holding on to you, comforting, correcting you. You have peace with God, so God is your father and Jesus is your brother. That's the blessing of the resurrection. Uh, the second blessing of the resurrection is the word hope. If you believe in the resurrection, it will transform your grief. Look at Mary. Verse 11, she's standing outside the tomb and she's crying. At verse 18, she's met the risen Lord Jesus and she's running off. I've seen the Lord. She told them he'd said these things to her. And Mary is grieving. She's weeping. She's mourning. She's lost someone she loves. And when you've lost someone you love, grief is the right emotion, isn't it? If you've ever lost anyone you love, I hope you're grieving. But, 
If you believe that Jesus is risen, your grief will turn to joy because you have hope. Listen to how the Apostle Paul puts it. 1 Corinthians 15, mystery. We will not all fall asleep, but we'll all be changed in a moment, in the blink of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we will be changed. As you believing in the resurrection, it will radically transform your attitude towards death, to your own death and to the death of those that you love. Now, if Jesus has been raised, which he has, and if we're followers of Jesus, which we are, then we will be raised with him. We've just sung it, I will rise. Now, as part of my job as a pastor, I do lots of funerals. Now, there is a world of difference between the funeral of a believer and an unbeliever. If you've ever been to a funeral of a believer, you should be asking, why are they so happy? Why is there so much joy in this room? Why are we celebrating? We're celebrating because they are now with Christ, which is better by far. They have a new body. They have a new mind. They have a new life. They have eternal life. See, I don't fear death. I fear the process of dying. I don't really want to get too old and wrinkly. I don't want all my joints to go. I don't want my mind to go, especially. But I know I'm going to die. But I don't fear death in the same way. What next? Because I know I'm going to have a new body with a, a, a new mind and legs that work properly and everything that works properly. And again, if you're here tonight and you have some sort of crippling illness, then the future of the resurrection gives you that glorious hope, doesn't it? You see, the blessing of the resurrection are that you have peace with God, you have a new hope. Death is not the end. And lastly, you have a new purpose, the blessing of a new purpose, a reason to live. You see, when these men and these women had met the risen Lord Jesus, their life was totally changed. Uh, Peter and John went on to be some of the most powerful preachers and church planters in the whole of history. Uh, they were transformed from these timid, fearful men to these bold preachers of the, of the risen Christ. Even Mary Magdalene, she was a missionary. She went around telling people, I've seen the Lord. Happens when you meet Jesus. Suddenly, your purpose for living it changes. It's not about the stuff you do here and now. It doesn't matter what you own or what job you do or how beautiful you are or how intelligent you are. It's about living for Jesus. It's about telling other people about Jesus. And you can spot the people who really believe the resurrection because there's a boldness, there's a confidence. It's kind of like. What can this world do to me? They can ridicule me. They can mock me. But that's okay. If you've met the risen Lord Jesus, your purpose for living is, is proclaiming that he is risen. Do you know the heartbeat of your God? Your God wants all people to be saved, to come to knowledge of the truth. How are they going to do that? Not everyone, will walk through, not everyone will walk through the doors of this church or any church. But they'll come across your path and my path. And if we really believe that he is risen, it's kind of like God asks us to be missionaries, to be 
preachers, wherever we are. You've got a new meaning, a new purpose for living. Your life is different. And people say, why do you do that? Why do you go, why do you go to church? Why do you go to Bible study? Why don't you do this? And you say, because of the resurrection. I'm living for Jesus. Let me just say, if the resurrection is not true, if Jesus is not risen, just get up now and go home. Stop wasting your Sunday night. Stop wasting your life. Go and get the best job you can possibly get with the shortest hours and the biggest pay and eat, drink and be merry. But if it is true, which it is, it totally transforms your life. It gives you peace, it gives you a hope and it gives you a purpose. And that's why when I say Christ is risen, you say... Let me pray. Oh Lord God, we sit here tonight in absolute awe and amazement that the tomb was empty. We, we praise you that you raised your son, that death could not hold him down. We praise you that you have defeated the grave. We praise you that you've given us the confidence of eternal life and the, the certainty of a, of a resurrection body. We praise you that just like Christ, we will rise. Uh, we praise you, Father, for the joy of just calling you our Father and Jesus our brother. We, we praise you for the, the hope that you give us that even though we suffer and even though that we grieve, we do that with hope because of the resurrection. Lord God, I pray that uh, we would leave this place tonight with our, our hearts ablaze, our minds on fire for Jesus, that our purpose for living would be to preach and to live for the risen, victorious Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray.